All right, Cardis fans, welcome back to another rendition of the Chirpin' Yotes podcast. I am Tyler Dome. With me today is Mr. Matt. He has returned with his presence to give us another great episode. Matt, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. A little bit of a crazy week. Uh, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but ready for uh, talk some hockey. Get my mind off it for a little bit. So, Yep. Yep. I am 100% with you on that. So to get it all started, we got uh, man a couple of things going on here. The trade deadline is looming above our heads, slowly but surely, and we have a major injury. We have uh, Ghost Bear injured here. Uh, what is it? He's got what twenty nine points with uh, what forty eight games played? If I did my math right, something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah, got a lot of assists though. A lot of that points coming in assists. So. I guess what I should say is, I know a lot of fans are asking, do you, do you think he still gets moved despite the injury? Will he come back in times yeah. or, you know, still do? Yeah, I, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't. It's not, if we're talking about last year and this happened last year and they were looking to move him, there'd probably be quite a few teams talking about, well, Philadelphia, he was a scratch, you know, the production wasn't there. Um, you know, the defensive zone lapses, things like that, you know, but he's, he's got what, 120 games now with the coyotes, um, the, the point per game pace, or I'm sorry, not point per game pace. The, the pace that he he's been on has been steady over that course Uh, that that's not going to change for him. The rest of the league kind of, you know, they're not looking at was this an abstract 40 games that, you know, he played this season and, you know, he is who he was in Philadelphia when Philadelphia paid to get rid of him. Um, you know, they still know who he is. You know, he's a 30 year old defenseman, 29, uh, you know, going on 30 who is in the last year of a relatively friendly deal for the, the offensive production you get from him. Um, and anybody that's willing to bite on him, you know, they're going to get him relatively healthy at the trade deadline. They're going to get 15 regular season games out of him plus playoffs. So I I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, like with Chikrin last year, the knee injury that was, you know, how healthy is he going to be? Can he skate? Uh, you know, there, there was kind of a cloud there. And with Goss despair, I, I don't, see that um you know uh, he he's gonna come back healthy right around the trade deadline he may get a game or two in with the coyotes if he makes it all the way to the deadline um you know and it might just be it might just take that to prove to other teams that he's healthy enough to go you know but let's just say for some reason he doesn't move do you think it'd be wise of Arizona to keep him around? I mean, he does seem to be a good veteran presence. You know, definitely puts up the points with assists and all that. So what do you think if we were to keep him? You know, what would you think of that? As a fan, I, I'd love it. Um, I don't necessarily see it being the best thing for the player. Um, you know, I again, he's closing in on 30. I, he, I can't imagine he's going to get a ton of shots to win a cup. If that's, you know, his, his biggest goal. So if that's what he wants, he's got to look elsewhere. Um, if he's still here beyond the trade deadline, would I expect it? There's at least some talks from the team gauging interest. You know, obviously they're probably not going to want to pay him 
four and a half or five million a year next year. Um, so I I kind of feel like it's it's almost like a Connor Garland situation where he doesn't necessarily fit the long term rebuilding goals. Um, he's going to be desired by other teams in free agency where they don't have to pay anything to get him other than whatever he signs for. So uh, realistically, whether the Coyotes have interest or not, I don't think it's on on the player's best interest to stay in Arizona. Gosh, it's funny you say that. Cause I actually, well, I guess it's selfishly I wanted to resign because I recently happened to roll into a Dick Sporting Goods out here in, uh, in Gilbert. And I got his jersey, reverse retro Adidas. It was like sixty dollars off. So I was like, "Oh, hey, maybe you know, maybe he'll stay." But then you say, "Not good for him." I'm like, you know, yeah, I'll stop being selfish. I love the jersey though. Jersey's great. It's reverse retro. I like that. So he's been one great of coyote. He, yeah, he's been a great coyote. He's been one of my top three or four players to to watch over the last two years. I mean, he's he's been good, and he, he won burned. points last year. Pretty good. I mean. And and he brings that that big play element. It's not just, you know, a lot of secondary assists and, you know, just kind of some noise because he made a one quick pass out of the zone. I mean, you know, you watch him on the power play, quarterbacking a power play, he's unbelievably smart. Um some of the goals that he scores are some of the oddest ones where you have to and this might be something that hurts his value a little bit, but you have to go, wow, how did he get that through? He wasn't looking at the net. That puck bounced three times, and it fooled the goalie and went in. The guy's got some fortune to his game that I don't think a lot of other players have. Um, and, and that's that's not something that I want to say. You know, I don't mean for it to sound like, oh, he's just lucky he's doing what he's doing. But there's a... There's a level of calculated risk in his game, um, whether it's taking the low percentage shot that pays off or it's the ill-advised stretch pass that somehow ends up connecting. Um, it, it makes games a lot less boring when you're watching a tank team you know, who's at the bottom of the league in goal scored. I, I think Anaheim and, you know, maybe Columbus are behind us. I, I don't know that there's that many teams who have scored fewer goals than the Coyotes this year. But they're exciting goals when we do score. That they so. are. That they are. I, I, and I, I love the big windup that we're seeing from Chikrin. Um, You know, that's something that, man, that, that's almost faded out of the league. Um. I know the athletic and a couple other places have done articles about how players have foregone that type of big shot and, you know, analytics, it's, it's better not to, but when you watch this team and the way they score and, and how they make all the, you know, the crazy offensive, wow, did they really just do that stuff work? You know, it's a lot of, wow, I can't believe they just tried that. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Tournier for that. Because we never would have saw that with Rick Tockett. No. No. Tournier has really turned Keller on. I always said that what, last week, I wonder what you recorded last, but man, 
he's made Keller the player he, he's meant to be. I really do. He really hit his dividends with him. Absolutely. And Love yet, it. I know last time we recorded, we were talking about, well, you know, he had, what, two points in 10 games, you know, just a goal and an assist. You know, he was struggling a little bit. There was a lot of frustration. He had taken the five-minute major against Ottawa. Things were looking a little rough for him there for a little bit. But I'll look at him. But another bounce back. He has a hat trick. How cool is it watching him and Schmaltz with hat tricks, what, two games apart? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, especially Smaltz. I know Smaltz has really just kind of had that, was kind of streaky there under Tockett, but it's good to see him kind of, it's still streaky, but, you know, better. Tornier really does get the best out of these Coyotes. I mean, as bad as the roster is on paper, I mean, he does get a lot more than you expect. So I I would have to double check and verify, which I could do real quick, but I I want to say Schmaltz has like 81 points over his last 82 games. Same. Um I I don't know that he's uh, he's never had a point per game season. We're just talking about a stretch here. To me, that's that's a big deal for a player like him, especially if you consider Keller missed the final eighteen games of last season and it didn't yeah. slow Schmaltz's production. Let's see, right now Schmaltz has as of the time of the recording twenty eight points in thirty four games played. But going back to last season, his last 82 full games played. And granted, there's a couple of games that helped pad that. I mean, he had, what, seven points against Ottawa? You know, that yeah, like that helped that. But either way, I mean, who who's going to be upset if he's hovering around a point per game? Yeah. And we're talking about two guys that play on the wing being point per game guys without a legitimate one number one center without a number two center, honestly. Yeah. It's yeah. Duct tape and string at this point. I, I mean, going back to what, up until about 15 games ago, they had been playing with Travis Boyd. Uh, And I'm not Travis Boyd's a three C honestly, those, those two together are, are unbelievably dynamic. You know, Tornier just getting the most out of his, what he's, what he's got. I think it was you or Granny that said, you know, imagine when Tornia gets a hold of Cooley or hopefully Bedard and, you know, all that. It's like, oh, man, look out. Yeah. Yeah, the big thing about his hire was his ability to develop kids in the junior level. You know, the guy who was never an NHL coach before. This isn't a recycled guy who, you know, was part of the good old boys club. You know, he's not a... Uh, nothing against Bruce because I like Bruce Bordereau, but you know he's not somebody who had coached 800 games who was sitting on a couch somewhere who they decided to call. I love it though. I, I'm I'm glad. That's one of my favorite things, and that's what I'm hoping the Cardinals will do is not hire you know someone from inside, get a totally fresh face, not a recycled you know. I'm glad that we didn't do what Canucks did, which you know getting Rick Tockett, a recycled coach. Well, I guess still a little bit recycled, I guess, but still, I mean. I'm glad we went out there and got someone the right man for the job. At least I believe so. So I like that. I, as far as Vancouver goes, I don't, I don't hate the talk at hire. I think as much as some people do. Um, I, I was a, a defender of talk while he was here. And I, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that coaches can only do so much with the talent they have. There was a lot of the, you know, when he was hired in Vancouver, 
you know, watch everybody's point total fall and watch the, you know, the switch from the carry to the dump and chase. And yeah, I've seen those. I yeah. I don't know that we're actually going to see a lot of that. The, the difference is under talk it. And, and if you go back a couple years under talk it, when they decided to trade for Taylor hall and before Phil Kessel completely fell off and, and Schmaltz, his transition games, unbelievable. When the coyotes had players that, you know, they trusted to carry the puck. That's what they were told to do. So I don't know that we're going to see the same thing in Vancouver that we saw in Arizona. I I think there's more talent up front. That maybe maybe not as much with Horvat gone, but you know they still got Pedersen, Brock Besser, J.T. Miller. There there's still guys there that will be effective at carrying the puck. I don't know that we're going to see the same type of game and the same coaching scheme out of Tockett. I do feel bad for Ekman Larson, obviously. Yeah. He, he he did not respond well to playing for at all. And he's already struggling as it is out there, so I can only imagine. I mean, I hope it gets better, I mean, for OEL's sake, but I just don't think it will. I, I loved OEL as a player and as a human being. I, I wish nothing but the best for him, but Man, you you waive your no trade clause after the type of season you had with Tockett and with this new ownership group coming in and wanting to go a different direction, mm-hmm. and you almost you get traded to Vancouver, who had these great expectations, and it's almost like the the ideals that you were getting away from just followed you. Literally no, literally him now. So I mean, that's a literal. Yeah, I feel bad. I mean, I do feel bad for him. I said, I, I like I said, as a human being, I like him. Didn't like his play, especially towards the end. But I mean, I definitely don't deserve getting the coach who didn't like you know coaching you again when you're already struggling. That's just that sucks. I can't imagine that. Yeah, yeah, no, he had his defensive lapses and stuff as as things went on. But I I still think back to you know 2012, 2013, 2014. You know when he's scoring. 22, 23, 24 goals. I think he he actually tied the Coyotes franchise record for goals in a season at at 24 at one point. And I remember being at the final game of the season already out of the playoff race. And I think he took 11 or 12 shots in that game. And you could just, and everybody was feeding him the puck. Everybody wanted him to get it. And I remember him hitting the crossbar. Oh, so close. Uh, and it's it's midway through the third period, and the sound the arena made when they realized it didn't go in was like the most depressing sound I've ever heard. Poor OEL. Well, now he's got to deal with Rick Tockett again. Do you yeah. think he tries to move again? Do you think he waves it again and tries to move? Do you think Canucks can move him? Well, I don't think the Canucks can move him, but I'd be willing to bet he waves it. I I know he didn't care as much maybe here in Arizona about winning. Um, you know, it was his home. It's where he wanted to be. You know, he loved the the community. I don't know that that's the sentiment he's got in Vancouver. Uh, you know, I yeah. haven't followed nearly as closely, you know, to say. I don't think the fans like him as much. I see a lot more dragging of OEL than I did even for us. At least on the Twitter, my brief, you know, I don't obviously dig too deep into Canucks Twitter all the time, but when I do... 
Yeah, there, there's some negativity, and a lot of that negativity comes because they look at OEO and they look at the fact that they gave up the ninth overall, and you know, Dylan Gunther finished fourth at World Juniors. He's in the NHL at this point, and you know, they have OEL. There you go, Connor Garland. Kind of, I mean, well, for, maybe for point five. But you know, there, there's talk. He's a a buyout candidate. That's I did see that. Yeah, something that me and Grandy were talking about, and I I don't think they buy him out because I still think there's a lot of value there for a team to look to add Garland. Um, and you know, it it'd be a one third buyout, so it it doesn't make sense to me that they would go in, or I'm sorry, a two thirds buyout. So it doesn't make sense to me that they'd buy him out for that cap hit for what another three year or it'd be six years at that point when they could mean less than that and move him out of there and they'd only owe the retained money for three years. Would anybody want Gardner Garland's skill set? I I believe there's quite a few teams who would. I he was asked to do a lot here. He looked like an elite winger at times here. Mm-hmm. Uh, realistically sure Realistically, though, if if they were to retain half his contract, he I think he signed what five and a half million or five million somewhere around there. If a team paid had to pay Connor Garland three million a year to be a third line right winger who was going to score them fifteen to twenty goals a year and add that sandpaper element while packing a ton of skill and and good skating. Somebody's absolutely going to going to be interested, and if Vancouver buys him out, this isn't going to be an Alex Galchenyuk type thing where somebody signs him to a one year league minimum contract. If Vancouver buys out Garland, he's going to sign a three or three million dollar deal somewhere. Good for him, lots of money. I mean, he's not sorry three year three million AAV nine million total. He's not. You know, a 35-year-old forward on a bad contract or something. He's, what, 26? 26. 26. He's got yeah. uh, 24 points on the year so far, 48 games played. Just pulled up his hockey reference real quick, just because I wasn't sure. But. Un- unfortunately, I think that's product of Vancouver and not a product of Garland. This is another one of those, let's find a better coach, a better situation for him. And who knows? I mean, with Tockett there now – he might flourish for the final, you know, 30 games of the year and, you know, 21, 22 points to finish the year off. And you got a, a pretty close to a 50 point guy that wouldn't be hard to move on his deal. No, I don't think so either. And, and he'll have a center to do it with depending on, you know, what their alignment is the rest of the way. But isn't like, they need a lot of help. So I think I looked it up earlier. There's like 45-ish percent of their cap is going to forwards, not including, you know, Connor, or, uh, sorry, Ekman Larson. So and all that other stuff, like, that's a that's a pretty tight space they got up there in Canuck land. You know, they're... They really they screwed feel, the pooch. Yeah, they feel like Edmonton, um, where there were so many voices that wanted certain guys in the room that you could give out bad contracts, you know, not, not 
egregiously bad contracts, but a few bad contracts if it meant that the guys you wanted there got to stay there. Um, there was, and I, I don't, I don't think this is on Benning, but there was a a lot of pressure to either sign JT Miller or Bo Horvat before the end of or before uh, the July first start of this year's league. Um, and it turned out it was JT Miller. And I don't even think it made it to the the draft before they got him re-signed. Um, and that was the wrong guy. Uh, yeah. Bo Horvat was the face of that team. Yeah, it was a big guy mistake. Guy who wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you still had, had well over a year to negotiate with him when they re-up JT Miller. And, you know, they... They went about their business. They signed the wrong guy. They put themselves in a very bad spot cap wise. And, and this might be, you know, where the OEL trade comes in. If they don't make that trade, Erickson, Roussel, and um <coughs> excuse me. Um Erickson and Roussel and uh boy, who am I missing here? Who else came over in that trade? Oh, trade. Sorry, even I'm like, do you believe they just signed? Isn't Pedersen due? No. Well, I'm, I'm not looking at who's due, but in that trade with OEL, I mean, they they would have had what nine million fall off the cap this yeah. coming summer. That's yeah. part of that salary, and instead they have OEL there. So, I, I'm not, I I'm not trying to bag on OEL by any means, but I think that's probably where some of the hate in Vancouver comes from from those fans. Is that instead of Bo Horvat, they have Ekman Larson? Yeah, I'd be upset. I mean, yeah, you're paying almost eight million uh, if you exclude what the Coyotes retain, paying almost eight million for a second pair defenseman. Yeah, pylon. That's tough. Stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel. I feel for Vancouver. I mean, gosh, we've. I'm sure we've had our moments. I mean, we had no owner for a while. I mean, we. We. I. I fifthly feel for him. You know, it's funny it is to you know. The memes and all that are great, but I do feel just awful for that franchise. Usually it's us. Usually we're the ones, you know, taking the L and having bad contracts and bad moves, no owner, ownership this, ownership that, the butt of all the jokes, but Yeah. I mean none of at least not that I remember uh when we lost in the conference finals or anything else, but I don't remember anyone in Arizona trying to burn our own city down because of it. So that's true. Yeah, we do got that going for us. There, there is like a lack of classiness to to some Vancouver fans out there. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the twenty ten right when they tried to it was literally like burning and the rioting and flipping cop cars over and stuff. Oh, I forgot about that. Wow. Yep. Jeez. Yeah, it was bad. I I gotta ask, what did? How did you feel about the Horvat trade? Actually, I was about to ask you. I was literally gearing up to ask you the same thing. Uh, I mean, I think they got an okay haul for him, I guess. I mean, I'd rather, if I was a Canucks fan, I'd rather have Bo Horvat than not, to be honest with you. I'd rather not have the trade, as you know, speaking from that angle. But, hey, cool for the Islanders. I mean, congrats. You made a move. Not really too sold on the Islanders. I, I think it was a little early for them to make that deal. I mean, we still got a month before the trade deadline. Um, 
generally when when a rental is sold a month before the deadline, usually you get well, normally you get more. It's it's not even desperation on the islander. I mean, it, it generally does come from desperation, but that wasn't a desperate overpay by the islanders. I mean, anybody in the league that's in a buying position would have given up a first round pick and a winger who they've kind of given up on in Bavillier. And, you know, uh, Atsuratsu, who is, you know, he, he was supposed to be that guy and he fell to what, 52 in the draft or something like that, or 45 or somewhere in there, somewhere in the middle of the second round. And it had everything to do with the fact that he had like a point one five point per game in his draft year after having such an incredible year the year before. Well, not even incredible, but a great year the year before and an incredible year the year prior. And he's he'll be okay. I, he's going to be an NHLer, but he's a low floor or uh, sorry, a high floor, low ceiling guy. In my opinion, they might get some top six forward time out of him, depending on the makeup of their roster. But realistically, he slots in, you know, on the third line, maybe the fourth line. Um, you know, maybe he's a thirty to forty point guy, but he's not. You know, he's not going to be a a game breaker in that trade. I mean, this isn't. This isn't Buffalo trading Ryan O'Reilly and getting Tage Thompson, who needed some time to develop. They didn't get the same kind of player here. I like that take. That's a cool one. I feel really happy for Tage Thompson. He's really, really kicking up there. But isn't yep. it Horvat's on like what? It's like a fifty-goal, ninety-point pace or something like that. I think it's a super high. It's a career year, I think, right on pace. At the time of the trade, I think he had thirty-one goals, but he he's definitely on a on a fifty-goal pace. Um. Uh, he's having one of the best years of his career, honestly. They're, he's somebody you really have to feel for because he, he did all of this with the distraction of he's not going to be there at the trade deadline. They got to move him. They got to move him. So, you know, he he has the kind of season that he's having. I mean, 31 goals, 23 assists in 49 games. He's doing that under the distraction of I might wake up and not be here tomorrow. You think not around, though? Do you think he stays? I mean, like, you give up that much. Your top was it? Your top prospect in a thin pool. You know, do you, do you make that's got to be a priority, right? It's keeping Bo Horvat in your jersey next year after this rental, or do you think they let him go? I think the Islanders really screwed the pooch on this. Um, and this, not to break away from your question, this is why the good old boys club doesn't work in the NHL anymore. Lou Lamorello is 80 years old and he's making this trade. Um, what, if you're the Islanders, what are you doing? You're on the bubble right now. You might not be in the playoffs. If you're not, and your players are all getting a year older, what are you, what are you doing thinking that Horvat, even if you resign him is going to be the answer next season so i i do think there's i don't want to call it regression um but there hasn't been 
some guys living up quite quite what they did last year. Scott Mayfield's a big one. He hasn't been nearly as good defensively. Um, Noah Dobson isn't putting up the offensive numbers that he did last year. Um, Oliver Wallstrom didn't quite take that big step that I think a lot of people expected. So there's there's a little bit of blame to go around. I don't think they're what the Florida Panthers were where, you know, maybe the pan, I don't want to say they overachieved, but what they did last year was unreal. And what they're doing this year is absolutely terrible. Um, and they don't have any picks for the next couple of years, first rounders. But if you're looking at the Islanders, maybe they overachieved just a little bit last year. We're seeing a little more realistic view of who they are. Um, they're not nearly as stingy as they were a year ago defensively. So I, I don't know what you do with Horvat. I, if you're out of the playoff picture or, you know, Buffalo's past you, Florida's on your heels, and you're sitting a spot out, you got to try and sell them at the deadline again, right? I mean, yeah, flip, flip them. Yeah, I mean, get back what what you gave up for them. I guess the only benefit to giving up what they did when they did is that they have a month to find out if they're for real. I and, think they keep them. I don't think they trade. I don't think they flip them. I think they're going to keep them like an idiot and then I, to resign them. I think that's what they will do, but I I don't mm-hmm. think they should do. And the haul they could get for him would be massive considering the fact that Vancouver retained a quarter of his salary already. The Islanders retain half of what they're paying him now. So of what his cap hit is, a team would only have to pay 37.5% of that to take him. It's not bad. That's not bad. What about, um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say a team that's buying that's really up against the cap they'll pay a premium to not have to spend the money on him. I mean, that's a big reason why, you know, Nick Bukestad is, is such an attractive target for a lot of teams right now. He's making 900,000 a year. So Uh it might even be less. I, I know it's pretty close to league minimum, but teams can take, they can absorb that salary because the actual cap hit over 18 games or 20 games you know they're taking on two hundred and twenty thousand, maybe. So the cap hits nothing. So a lot of teams can fit him in under the cap. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you're paying what you said, thirty-seven percent. So like what, a couple million for a player like that? I mean, shoot, why not? And you know, Boston was in talks. I mean, yeah. I would imagine. I would imagine they're in absolute win now mode because. You have no idea if Pasternak's going to be back. You know, they they started that riff a couple years ago when Krejci wasn't offered a contract. And then, you know, this year they wised up, offered Krejci a contract to come back. But that that whole thing's what started the riff with Pasternak. Um, Bergeron's on, you know, he signed a one-year deal and he wasn't sure if he was going to come back. What do you do if you're Boston? I mean, you're in a win now. What do you give up? for a guy like Horvat, especially if you're if he barely puts a dent in your cap hit knowing that 
three of your top six forwards are gone next year or most likely are gone next year. I don't know. I don't think I'd make the move. I mean, I know you want to, but I mean, but it's a tough one. To. Yeah, I, I guess you went out to shoes. You're the you're the best team in the league right now, and if it if you've got a a realistic twenty percent shot at the cup, you know, and those being the the best odds that any team is given, how do you not try and increase that and and guarantee even if it means five or ten years of pain? How do you not do it for a cup? That's true. Yeah, I guess I'd probably give up a lot to win a cup. So I I don't wanna give Chicago credit for trading away all their first round picks and making all the moves they did to win the cups they did because, you know, we find out later how horrible of a organization they were. Um uh, but yeah. nobody is in Chicago was upset, you know, after a couple of losing seasons and not making playoffs and you know, when they did, they barely squeaked in because they had cut, you know, they had three cup wins. You give up what you can to win when you know you're ready to win. What about, um, yeah, speaking of like giving up stuff, what do you think Timo Meyer trade return could be like? Well, unfortunately for the Sharks, the Bo Horvat trade happened. Um, I think we're in a little bit of a buyer's market right now because there's not a ton of teams with cap space. So anybody that can make a hockey trade, you know, money in, money out, or that has a little bit of room to make a deal, they've got all the leverage because there isn't going to be 12 teams that realistically can acquire Timo Meyer. So... We'll see, uh, but I I don't foresee it being much more than what Vancouver got for for Horvat. Um, it, it should be more because I I do think the Islanders, in terms of value, you know, uh, assets in, assets out, they won that trade on that alone. Um, because they didn't have to give up all that much, but with Meyer. I don't know how many how many teams have a ton of assets and the space without needing to move money out can make that deal. I, I don't think I also, it's all many. I also think that if I read somewhere right, I think they said they really want a goaling prospect, goalie prospect. Excuse me. So I mean, that's another thing. A little caveat to add there too, I guess, is willing to sell one of your goalies prospects or otherwise. If that um, means anything. I mean. I, the only team I know right now that might have anybody on the market as far as a goalie prospect goes would be Buffalo. Um, you know, they, they got their, their college kid who's at the end of his four years um, who will be a, a UFA. I, I mean, what good is that San Jose if they can't can't sign him? But I think he might be the, the only kid that anybody as far as goalie prospects would be willing to move. And it's going to be an interesting trade deadline, that's for sure. It's like what you said. I mean, if people are deciding on a buyer's market, it's going to be really interesting. When do you think, like this, do you think our dominoes start falling? When do you, how long do you think we have until we start seeing that? Now that it's all star game and stuff like that. Um, I, you would hope to see it sooner than later. Um, you know, a lot of 
a lot of general managers will get together in person around the all-star break and you'll see more talks a little less tire kicking a little more substance so my guess is coming out of the all-star break we might start seeing small trades um i i'm kind of with grandy i i'm not sure chickering goes before the deadline i would love to see it happen but i i don't think it's there i there's still some uncertainty with the cap um you know coming into this season there was a lot of optimism that we would see you know escrow paid off and everything kind of going back to normal and you know a, a three to four million dollar cap hike and now it's not looking like that so you know maybe maybe chickering's closer to a draft day trade but outside of him i i would expect to see uh you know bukestad i i don't i don't know how you can hold on to him if somebody's going to give you a second or a third round pick for him um I, it's no different than Johan Larson last year. I I would guess he could be the first guy to go. What do you think gets him up? If, you had to just, if you're a betting man, what would you say he goes to? Edmonton. Edmonton? Um, yeah, there, there's just been some speculation around Edmonton kicking the tires on him. Um, he kind of fits that Ken Holland type of player. Um he also fits the Ken Holland type of trade. You know, Ken Holland is not a blockbuster guy. So oh, I remember that. I mean, I'm a part-time Red Wings fan, so I definitely remember that. That's for sure. Yeah. So if if Holland's going to tweak his his roster in Edmonton, I think a guy like Bukestad fits that. You know, he's he's going to add some good third line depth. He allows either you know Nugent Hopkins to play on the wing or Drysaddle to play with McDavid. And lets you plug in a guy who can be your third line center. Take it. Give us your second, Edmonton. I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. I I take a second round pick in a heartbeat. And I know there's a lot of people saying, well, and we could even re-sign him over the summer. But this is another Gostas Bear type thing. You know, Bukestad will be going on 31. I don't think Arizona is a destination for him. You know, this was a great move by him to kind of jumpstart or I shouldn't say jumpstart, revive his career. You know, he, he had a really, really dismal season in Minnesota. Um, you know, outside of what, a uh, maybe two great years in Florida, seven years ago, he's been a in and out of the lineup, fourth line player. So what he did for his career is no different than, you know, what Goss Despair has done. And, you know, he'll get another shot out of it. But I don't think Arizona is in his best interest. But I do think he's the type of player Armstrong wants here. They might make him a decent offer to come back if, A, he's not traded, or B, wherever he's traded to doesn't re-sign him. I like him as a guy too. I mean, just as a player for us, I like him. So I'm okay with if we do sign, hopefully short term. I don't want to, you know, obviously big money contract or anything, but. No, I, I wouldn't expect it to be more than a year, maybe two. It wouldn't be anything big money. You know, I, I know you guys aren't a fan of the Travis Boyd signing, and I'm not either, but 
I mean, he's not holding up a roster spot or any kind of substantial cap dollars that are preventing us from doing anything because of it. If that's the worst thing that would happen out of re-signing a guy like Bukestad, who had a great year this year, well, not a big deal. I do like Travis Boyd, too. I forget it. He did get a big, not a big, but a decent contract, too. I, I don't know. Excuse me. Every time McGurney says it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forget about that. I don't know why yeah. that I do. It's just one of the ones that just slips my mind. I don't, I don't know why. But well, another thing, you're not, when your name's not being called because you're not playing between Keller and Schmaltz anymore, yeah. forget you're there. Honestly. Well, another thing, I guess, uh, somewhat of a transition here. Um, Granny mentioned and said it's a good topic is our kind of a, I guess I'll call it a budding rivalry with Anaheim over there. Our neighbors one state over. You know, with the whole Zegris hit and the trash talking, whatever he said to Stetcher. You know what I mean? It looks like we got a pretty good rivalry on our hands. You know, I think the NHL really made a mistake moving us to Central. I really do. You know, there there's very rarely good ideas in the media. Um, but I got to give a ton of credit to Craig Morgan on his idea for division realignment that saw... Um, eight divisions with four teams in each that saw all three California teams and Arizona in the same division. Um, You know, Anaheim's six hours from here, LA, same thing. San Jose's what? 12 hours, something like that. If you're driving. Yeah. I mean, that, that is geographically the best would have been the best way to do it. But yeah, I mean, Anaheim's trajectory, uh, they're, uh, they've are they got some guys in the system and they've got some very young guys on that team. We'll see what happens. Um, Gibson's obviously not Gibson anymore. Um, you know, it's been a couple of years since he was an elite goalie. So, and they're missing some pieces on defense. Um, you know, Jamie Drysdale hasn't had a ton of luck staying healthy, um, you know, and, and they're not exactly deep defensively in terms of prospects. You know, they're in a similar boat to Arizona there. Um, but, again, similar trajectory. We could see both teams four years from now being, you know, uh, at a young, much younger average age than the rest of the league and, you know, in the playoffs every year. And the unfortunate thing is because of the division alignment, you don't get that natural, yeah, you don't get that natural rivalry out of, you know, hard-fought seven-game series unless those teams were to either A, one, win their division while the other is a wild-card team, or B, they meet in the conference finals. I I do think there will be, you know, a, a decent regular season rivalry there, but I I don't know. Uh, playoffs generally galvanize rivalries. I mean, if you go back to Colorado and Detroit in the late nineties and two thousands, their rivalry didn't stem from you know some bad blood during a couple of regular season games. It stemmed from the playoffs, 
and that bled into regular season games. But it definitely doesn't go the other way around. Um, you know, the, there was nothing between the Coyotes and Kings during the regular season games prior to, you know, the Western Conference Finals. And all of a sudden, everybody in Arizona knew who Dustin Brown was and knew that the Kings were their their biggest rival, that everybody hated L.A. That's where rivalries start. So, yeah, we might see those two teams swing up at the same time. Um, but, I mean, Colorado and Vegas, they've had some... Some regular season games look a lot like what Arizona and Anaheim have had, but you wouldn't call them rivals either. Uh, it's a divisional issue, and the NHL made a big mistake the way they aligned things because we're not going to get that that blood over time from those two teams. Yep. I, it's so dumb that we're in the Central. I really... I mean, I, I get why Seattle is in the Pacific. I understand that because they're obviously, you know, they touch Pacific Ocean and we're just close to California, which does. But I mean, I don't know. Like, we've had a podcast episodes about that. It still frustrates me, to be honest with you. But I do like Craig's idea, though. I think because, I mean, Arizona and California seem to be kind of natural rivals anyway. Just not only all of our teams, but just the states definitely don't get along that well. So a little bit. Yeah, just, just a little how, bit, of course. How many other states have... You know, don't California, my Arizona, or stickers in that sense that aren't sports related. They're actually real life related, you know, in terms of we just don't like that state. No, we, that's why it fits, you know, with us, especially, you know, Anaheim, California. I mean, it seems like it's a, it's a good natural rivalry, both for geologically, geopolitically, I don't know, and then just sports world. But I mean, hey, NHL, I guess you know what you're talking about, apparently. So we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, I, I would imagine with some of the flack the NHL has caught for their playoff format, um, you know, I it seems to change every, what, seven, eight years? Something like that, you know, yeah. We see some kind of realignment. We've had this current alignment since, what, 2017 maybe? Yeah. 2018, somewhere around there. So we might see, you know, Two or three years from now, something change. I hope but, so. But who knows? I mean, again, it's uh, nothing against Gary Bettman. I love Gary Bettman and what he's done for Arizona. But Same, yeah. It's a good old boys club there. You know, years oh. and, and the commissioner and, you know, everybody on the league side of things, Bill Daly, they've all, they've all been in the league for years and years and years and years. And you don't get a lot of fresh perspective when you're listening to the same guys spill the same ideas. That's I think that's what the NHL needs. I mean, like I think we said on the last podcast, I mentioned a few podcasts before. I mean, soccer's coming for the throat of the NHL. It's already dethroned. Hockey is the fourth most watched sport in the country, as I've said before. And now with this, you know, was it North American Super Cup? I mean, like the NHL really has got to do something to market itself better. This is the time, NHL, to really change your format, make your format better, fix your division alignments, make it a better product. Like the Anaheim and, you know, Arizona rivalry potentially butting up and all that good stuff. It's like this is the time. This is when the NHL really needs to step up and, and get some fresh perspective because, like I said, soccer is coming. I mean, 
Absolutely. And and the the proof is in the ratings. I mean, I I think there was something that that uh just came out that viewership is down almost 22% um this year over last in per game viewership. Um and, you know, it some of that is going to be, you know, the way the schedule's set and you know, some of the games that they have on TV. I mean, uh, who really wants to watch, you know, Columbus and Dallas? You know, they're not in the same right. conference. They're not, you know, in the same, uh, you know, geographical region. Um, you know, one team's terrible. One team's fighting for, uh, you know, the top of their division. Nobody's tuning in for games like that. And those are, you know, that game's the... Hulu, you know, TNT, ESPN game of the night, you know. So there's, they're lacking on how they're scheduling. But I think ESPN Plus is another, another reason for that. You know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, the NHL, what was it, the center ice package or whatever, a lot of those customers, they paid what's, 120 bucks a year or something like that or 120 for the something season. Like yeah. ESPN Plus is what 50 bucks a month or something like that or 40 No, bucks? it's uh, ESPN Plus is like I think it just went up to $10 a month just for if you let's you get the Disney bundle which is something else entirely. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like 10 bucks a month now. It used to be 6 bucks, which is a great deal. It was a fantastic deal, but 10 bucks is still worth it. I still use it a lot especially for like lacrosse yeah. games, but so maybe I'm thinking of the bundle. Um yeah, you know, I think you are, yeah. There's a lot of people who who don't want to pay, you know, that much a month to be watching games. And especially with all of their games blacked out on ESPN. Yes. yes. It's actually my girlfriend. She's a recent hockey fan. She can't watch. She, I had to give her my, you know, Bally Sports login. But, like, I mean, she couldn't watch the Coyotes. She wanted to watch them, but she can't. They're blacked out. It's like, well, what good is that? How is that going to grow anything? Right. Yeah. No, I, I don't want cable. Uh, you know, we have... Uh, so ESPN Plus for us is through Hulu Live, which you know we're we're paying seventy dollars a month or eighty dollars a month for that. We don't want to add you know a Bally Sports you know app that we got to pay for monthly you know to watch those games. If everything's on ESPN Plus and ESPN is paying what they're paying for exclusive rights to games don't black them out i mean how how much money are you making on cable contracts as opposed to network contracts yeah and another thing too is like how do you get nhl network when i had playstation view with my family a couple of years ago we had nhl network but now my sisters and i we all chip in and got youtube tv and it's like we, we can't get nhl network it's like what, what do you want to I mean, nhl you're scratching your head wondering why your viewership's low you're scratching your head Wondering why is soccer growing so much? Well, soccer is super accessible. I mean, MLS has grown a lot. And I keep mentioning soccer as I'm, it's my second favorite sport. You know, no secret there. But it's like NHL, like that's, you need to be more accessible. You are not making it easy to become a fan of this sport. You're not marketing the right players. You keep the boys club, like you said. I mean, how many boys club events do we have? The Blackhawks situation looks terrible. The Team Canada situation looks terrible. I mean... What do you want? Yeah, what are you supposed to do? I mean, look at how many coaches are out of the league because mm-hmm. of things who were involved in. Joe Quinville, you know, Mike Babcock, um, Stan Bowman's gone. You know, they're yeah. 
it's it's all the same stuff and i i feel like recently there was there was an allegation again maybe it was the president of hockey ops in vancouver um, but yeah, I do remember. I vaguely remember seeing something, something like that. Yeah, I do remember that. Assault allegation. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's the same guys over and over. And, and yeah, I mean, there was there was everything. Connor McDavid cheating or something last year. Yeah, I mean, that's a little different, I guess, but still an allegation, I guess. Something yeah, with that, whatever drama that was. Nothing illegal happened there, but you know, either way, it made its rounds. So, you know, some bad marketing there. And and like you said, with NHL Network, I mean, my God, Ovi's at 800 goals, and I don't remember who they were playing, but they put the game on NHL Network. How many people have NHL Network? You want to watch Ovi make history. Why is that not your TNT game? Exactly. I don't, yeah. And, And that's not the game that, you know, he tied and then, you know, passed the record on the empty netter in, you know, luckily for everybody who went scoreless, but how do you, how do you market the game by cutting off your casual audience or your new audience Mm -hmm. from potentially watching history? Yep. I mean, you're not going to get people to pay for NHL Net. You might get some, like, diehards to pay for it that want to see it happen. But the reality is they're going to illegally stream the game. They're not going to spend the money on it for one year. They have to. I'm sure if you made it a way to be affordable or easy to get, people wouldn't pirate it. It's, it's proven time and time again. That's why Netflix, remember when that was super cheap and had everything on there? I mean, it's yeah. just it's so frustrating to me. The NHL is sitting here wondering why. And I'm just like, how are you wondering why? It's so obvious, the answer. It's like, go on Twitter for five minutes. Yeah, you can blackout, see the answer. Blackout restrictions are mm-hmm. the reason the NHL is struggling right now. Yep. I, you know, take your, your small losses on individual networks like Valley Sports or, you know, I, I don't know who else has them elsewhere. I, I know NBC. Um, part of they them. also have like AT&T has something for some teams and then yeah. something you else. Yeah. Take a couple of losses on that. If you add, mm-hmm. you know, 20,000 or 30,000 fans to each team because mm-hmm. of viewership access, mm-hmm. those people spend money. Those contracts yeah. will be made up. You get new fans, you get new engagements, you will sell merchandise, you will sell tickets. The NHL, contrary to what a lot of people say, it's still a gate-driven league. You know, they're, they still need fans in seats. If they don't get fans in seats, it doesn't matter how many people are watching. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they have to get people in the door. And, I mean, outside of, what, five or six teams... Annually, nobody has 100% attendance all year. You yeah. know, your juggernauts like Toronto or, you know, Calgary. Uh, you know, nothing else to do in Canada, really. That's not a dig at Canada this time, but like, there's not a lot to do up there. You know, so I mean, I get why Toronto why and Calgary have 100%. Why wouldn't you go? It's negative 10 degrees outside yeah. and a freaking blizzard, and you can't do anything. Or it's 40 degrees inside a building, and you can go watch hockey. I mean. It's it's and it, it's their sport. I mean, it's their country's 
pastime. So it's a lot easier to market. It's like, you know, why would nobody in South Florida want to go to a baseball game? Like, that makes no sense, they? too, because the, like, the Tampa Bay Rays are good. Like, they're a good baseball team, and no one goes. That's the most mind-blowing, that one bridge or whatever, but still, it's like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you get into, you know, like, comfortable climates or ways out of uncomfortable climates, I guess we should put it, out of those uncomfortable climates, cheap ticket, go see a game, enjoy your sport, and all of these people can watch at home. They become fans from home. I, you know, I'm a Cubs fan because growing up, we had, you know, just basic, uh, what is it, antenna or whatever. It's and, cable. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even cable. It was just, you know, whatever the local channels were. And in the mid-90s, I was, you know, seven, eight years old. And WGN and TNT were um, national channels. And... You know, they could, you know, you didn't have to pay for cable to get them. TNT had the Braves and WGN had the Cubs. And I'm a Cubs fan to this day because that was the team on TV that I could watch. Better than being a D-backs fan. I'm unfortunately a D-backs fan, so. Well, I mean, we're in the same boat. I mean, both teams have won World Series. Ours took a hundred and some odd years. And Oof. You know, luckily... It was only two years for the D-backs, but, you know, either way, like, that. how does that not say, mm-hmm. watch games? Let new fans watch games. Watch whatever. Let them become fans. They're going to spend money. They're going to be fans for life. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's how you build your market. You know, the NFL being on Fox and CBS and... You know, on even Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, Disney XD, those kid channels, they have a special kids broadcast for the NFL. The NHL needs that. So, yes, it's cringe. Yes, I know it's super childish with the slime and the special effects and the cartoon characters, but the kids get into the sport. They grew up hockey fans. Their kids become hockey fans. It's like NHL, it's right yeah. there. It's right there. You need exposure mm-hmm. and you can get it through. I mean, how many families out there that aren't big sports families are paying for ESPN Plus? Uh, you don't need it to watch football. You don't. I mean, I guess you could you catch your out of state baseball games with it, or you know your your out of state basketball. A lot of soccer too. If you're a big soccer fan, I guess you have it. But that's again, I mean, if you like but, soccer, you're paying for it. That's really it, though. And most people that like soccer are already going to be fans of hockey or, you know, other mm-hmm. sports that generally aren't, I, I don't want to call them simple sports, but, you know, if there's 200 points scored in a basketball game, you know, it's a lot of the same stuff. It's easy to score. You know, it's not, yeah. you're not counting easy. on anticipation and engagement the whole time. You yeah. know, so if, if you're a soccer fan, you probably watch hockey over, most other sports that that would be my guess anyway and and the same thing goes i mean i don't know a lot of football fans who are soccer fans but i know a lot of hockey fans who are yeah i'm one of them like i said soccer favorite second favorite sport close second so i'm definitely one of those for sure it's a blessing yeah but soccer's got the same thing i mean Mm -hmm. they engagement just like hockey does so 
I mean, those two leagues, both of them, they have to take a lesson from football. On Fox, on CBS, on ABC, on ESPN, they're on every major network, and outside of ESPN, all of those networks are available across the country without paying for anything. If you have a smart TV, you can stream those channels for free. Yeah, and MLS screwed up even more by getting an exclusivity deal with Apple TV. It's like, so now, I mean, only Apple TV people are going to have, and I know baseball did too, I know baseball has some games going Apple TV, but now it's like just become even more ridiculous to watch soccer here. And I, why when the MLS gets a great idea of working with Liga MX, which is a big, it's really big in the U.S. It's huge. So it's like they finally get this good idea, and it's like now you're with Apple. It's like, oh boy, you know. I mean, I get streaming is a big deal, but it's like like you said, perfectly. I mean, you can watch Fox, CBS, ABC without a you know just a little basic antenna, and you pretty much get all the big teams. You get the Cowboys, the Cardinals if you're around here. Steeler games, whatever. It's like you're right, and it's like that's what we need more of. Yeah, and and the NFL is great about how they break up their regional games. I mean, mm-hmm. every single Sunday that the Cardinals play, their games on Fox. If you live in Arizona, yep. every single Sunday. If the Coyotes played and all of their games were on Fox, every single day that they played, there'd be access to that game for everybody in Arizona. And you'll find people watching those games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, how, I know I know when I first got into hockey, it was because I was flipping through channels. And there was a hockey game on. And it got my attention. And, you know, the only way you, you get new fans, like truly new fans, is, you know, exposure. I, I, my wife and I actually recently found out we're going to have a baby here soon and that kid's going to grow up in a hockey family. It might be a new fan, but nothing the NHL did draws that in. So kids born in hockey families, you know, that, that demographics there, that's not what the NHL needs to be reaching out to. Yeah, because we're already here. We, we've got us. Like, people like us, we, we're already hockey fans. You don't need to sell us on anything, but it's exactly right, the casual market. I, it's the same reason why the NHL isn't moving teams back to Canada. I mean, Quebec's not getting another team because it doesn't make... Uh, it, it doesn't add viewership. It doesn't add, you know, revenue outside of people going to that game. And if anything, the people going to those games and the merchandise they buy, they're just pulling it from Toronto, from Montreal, you know, teams that are geographically somewhat close that people in Quebec are already fans of. You're, You're not gaining anything new. So if the NHL understands that you're not gaining anything new, you know, by moving a team to a saturated hockey market... Why aren't you expanding your outreach to non-traditional markets via, you know, actual network, local network contracts, as opposed to Bally Sports, who's all over the country, and who, you know, if you want to be a Coyotes fan, you have to pay them specifically to watch their games living, you know, 20 minutes from the stadium. 
And they just declared bankruptcy too, Valley Sports. So supposedly they I saw some article the other day, you know, doing research for this episode. I guess they the regional sports bubble popped. So the NHL, MLB, and NBA, don't quote me on those, I know two of the three leagues, something like that, they're supposedly trying to figure out what to do. They're trying to either buy Valley Sports or break it up somehow. So I'm sure we're going to get some fuckery around here soon. So get ready for that. And Valley Sports, the app is terrible. The app is terrible. It, it doesn't really work that well on TV. I mean, phone, it's, it's okay. It's It's usable, I guess, but... Honestly, I wouldn't even know because I've never paid for it. I I just have a login, NHL, so luckily NHL it helps 66. me. But NHL sixty six, I use it all the time. It's perfect. I mean, I get to stream my games. It's free. I can do the what is it the cast or whatever from your phone to the TV. So yeah. I'm you know I'm good with that. Why why go another route? Why pay? You know what Bally's looking for just to watch hockey games on an app that, from what I've seen and what everybody complains about, they can't get through a full game. I can. It's just the app is just buggy. It's weird sometimes. Your cable provider says you can't use this. I'll log out of my account, log back in, it's fine. It's like, what on earth? So yeah, it's buggy. And then... Just a lot of the, the ads are really just dumb. I don't know. It really just seems so directionless for me. I don't know who Bally Sports was. I miss Fox Sports, to be honest with you. At least it worked. I mean, yeah. it wasn't great. It wasn't perfect, but I'll take it over this crap any day. You know, I, a lot of the complaints that I've read and heard are things like the audio seems to be four or five seconds either ahead or behind. Yeah, I've gotten that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, like the, you'll get like that glitch where you get like half a green screen while you're yeah. playing the game, you know, things like that. Why? I'm not, I don't want to pay for, for that. You yeah. know, it, no, you're right. yeah. if you have a great product, sure. I, I have no problem paying for Hulu live and using ESPN plus on that for literally every other game. Because ESPN's been around for, you know, long time, 40 plus years, and it's literally all they do. And they got it down, and, and it works. Yep, it does work really well. I do like ESPN Plus as a service. I actually do. I'm a fan. I do too. I mean, I, I use it for, you know, all of my UFC fights and stuff like that, and I've never had problems with with anything that they provided the service, even their pay per view stuff. Yeah, but same. you know, I, I won't spend however much it is for the Bally Sports app just because everybody that seems to have it has problems with it. And that only hurts growth because now people like you are like, yeah, I'm not going to my money to that, which is totally valid and justified. You know, now that's that's one less fan. That's one less hockey slash whatever. You know, basketball. I mean, I guess the Suns don't need the help growing. I mean, basketball is what the second biggest sport in the country after football. Right? Yeah, and and I'd almost be willing to bet it's the the most followed sport in Arizona. Yeah, for sure. It is definitely a basketball town for sure. I think yeah, when the Suns are on it, there's no bigger fan base in this in this state and what's the country in this even, state. Even when they're not, I mean, you see Suns basketball jersey t-shirts hats you see it everywhere even when they're a bad team you know so anybody that that's looking for for watching sun's games yeah they'll pay for it you're not you're not struggling there but yeah i'm i agree with you 100 percent 
yeah, they they can't get people to go to D-backs games, and it's probably cheaper to go to a D-backs game than it actually is to use the Bally Sports. Oh no, it is. You can get tickets. I think they had like a. I remember you pay like a hundred bucks, and you got like four tickets or something like that, and a bunch of snacks and credit, and then they had like a date special where it was like two tickets for fifty bucks, but you get like twenty five dollar like snack credits. I mean, you basically you're paying really twenty five bucks for two tickets and snacks. I mean, so I mean. And, and, and most of the time, you know, if I was going to one of those games or whatever, I'd, I'd jump on, like, StubHub, and I'd pay more in fees than I would for tickets. No, yeah. that's. A, I mean, my girlfriend went to his son's game. It was, like, 54 bucks for the ticket, and then it ended up being 70-something dollars because all the fees. Like, holy God, dude. But you, you could go to a Diamondbacks game, and you get on StubHub, and you could buy tickets for $5, and it would come out to 15 a ticket or something like that. I mean, and they couldn't get people to go to those. Why are they trying to get people to spend 10 bucks a month to watch them on TV? Also get blown out every night. Yeah. Just or trade uh, away a player for peanuts for the same price. If you could go to the game and you're not going to go to the game, you're probably not going to pay for the service to watch them. I sure wouldn't. I mean, not the way that the team treats its fans and players. So no, no, unfortunately of, of all of Arizona's traditions, it seems like ownership and how the fans are are treated. We've got one thing in common with all four major sports here. Ownership, money, greed, don't don't care as much about the fans as they do about their own egos. And I, I'm glad Morello's here. You know, yeah. he's he's good. Right. There, there's an obvious, yeah, he wants to make his money, he wants a sports book, but, you know, we're not, we're not dealing with a guy like Robert Sarver. No. Um, you know, we're not dealing with Bidwell. Thank you know, God. There's, we're finally seeing somebody who seems to care about the Coyotes and their engagement throughout the Arizona market, not just... You know, what do we have to do to meet the minimums here and, you know, uh, collect our revenue sharing and, you know, or appeal to the out of state fans like we used to, you know, like, oh, hey, you can come watch your Red Wings pounce on the Coyotes, you know, for cheaper. Like, you know, I'm glad that we're like the Arizona Knights jerseys. Say what you will about it, you know, like it or hate it. It's still a step in a direction of caring. You know what I mean? It still shows like the ownership is investing and wanting, you know, to connect all of Arizona. You know, and that that's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm I'm here for it. Putting the the little howler coyote cutout and the coyote's little sting in the Phoenix Zoo, like things like that. Like it seems to be, as I've said several times the podcast. Bring, you know, you know here. the biggest thing was bringing the Roadrunners to Tucson from yeah. Springfield. I mean, yep. You you added an entire hockey team, pro team, to the state, 200 miles away or 150 miles away. Yep. Where a decent portion of your fan base lives. I mean, that was that was a huge move for hockey growth. Yep. To the point where you know, for the longest time, Tucson only had the TCC as far as an ice sheet goes, and you know they had a few high school leagues and a few youth leagues and you know one adult league that was a late at night you know type deal. It was a Tucson Adult Hockey League. And now there's a waiting list a mile long for ice time. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what engagement is. That's what happens when you put a product 
in front of people that have never experienced it. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, then we have like the Kachina girls hockey, but was it like, I think last year or year before, I can't remember. Uh, Arizona was number three for girls youth hockey development. I mean, that's, that's big. That's a big deal. I think it was number two as far as like, and it was based off of um, USA hockey membership registration, new registration. And it was percentage of growth over the prior year. And I think they were number two in the country as far as growth. Which is awesome for the girls. I mean, that's good for them. I mean, that only, I mean, and Lindsay Fry is a big part of that and skating for late and all the connection stuff we have here. I mean, it's, it's, it's been, I, I feel, I think the Arizona Coyotes probably have the best owners as of right now in the entire state. So, yeah. And they've also got some great ambassadors to the game. I mean, Shane Doan, Lindsay Fry. Here is, is huge. There's not a lot of guys who, played with a team for 16 years, retire, and then become an ambassador for the team they retired from. Yeah. Um, at least not in the way Doan has. I, you got Joe Sackick being the GM in Colorado. You know, that that's kind of a, a big deal. Rob Blake being the GM in L.A. But those guys aren't exactly, I mean, they're they're doing a job. You know, they're they're not an ambassador there to grow the game. They're in their positions to build teams to win games. It's not quite the same as, you know, come out to your local rink, you know, come watch my son play hockey down the street, you know, at, at Mullen Arena for ASU. You know, it, it, it's far from the same thing. No, he's, he is Arizona hockey, really. I mean, for the most part, him and Lindsey Fry are huge huge i mean the things they've done i mean i think you should have streets named after him to be honest with you yeah and you know what he's he's not the only guy here who helps grow it i i do know for quite a while Derek morris was coaching youth hockey oh, yeah that's right yep um and scott niermeyer's in the area granted he's not a former coyote but uh his son jackson i believe plays it at, at asu as well yeah, he does. Um, and they all live out here. And, you know, he's been an ambassador to hockey in the desert, maybe not to the Coyotes, but, you know, to growing the game in Arizona as well. So it's it's kind of a big deal for for the state to actually have some guys who, uh, granted, Nina Meyer never played here, but who have played here, retired here, stayed within the community, you know, coached, developed, you know, sponsored leagues. Uh, it's a huge, huge thing that, you know, a, a lot of other places, you don't get that. I'm I'm sure that's not really a thing in in Anaheim or L.A. I mean, how many guys are, are we talking about at the draft every year that are coming out of Arizona that were, or I'm sorry, out of California, Southern California specifically, that were born there or raised you know they got moved there were raised there played there and you know are now in yeah not as many that's for sure no what what's going on here in arizona is huge it's a new thing it's beautiful the number one draft pick in 2016 was from here i mean that's that's still a crazy stat to think about i mean there's 
I believe three three players with Arizona ties who will be in the All Star game this year. Amazing. Um, and, and quite honestly, offhand, I can't remember who the third is, but Tage Thompson and Austin Matthews. Uh, right off the bat, uh, that's that's big. Mm-hmm. You got two guys who spent the majority of their time in Arizona playing in an NHL All Star game. Yep. That's fantastic. Just goes to show Canada that the sport is growing other places. So, excuse my dog there in the background. No problem. No problem. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on on that, and, and it's it's not just Arizona, but it's becoming the United States in general. Um, yeah. You know, I I know Canada bring us more hockey teams and. It's our sport, and if it doesn't snow there, don't play there. Um, right along with Arizona's Florida, uh, they've produced a ton of NHL talent over the last 10 years as well. Um, at Southern states, uh, now that we're seeing real exposure, ta- you know, Tampa being a good team plays a huge part into that. Um the the money that's been put into hockey in Arizona, um, you know, we're starting to see players come out of Texas too. Um, that, like Coleman, yeah, it, it's what the league needs. Uh, if you want mm-hmm. thirty-two plus teams or or even more, you know, they're talking. The I think the original talk was thirty-six teams was the league's goal. Um, through expansion, and I, I don't know that we get that high um, anytime soon, but if you want that, the only way to not water the product down is to tap markets for players that otherwise would have never found the game or never had the coaching or development that is needed to play at that kind of level. So, sorry to say, Canada, but without us, you know, the league's probably quite a bit more boring. Honestly. Yeah, you're welcome from Arizona, Canada. And from Florida and Texas and everywhere else. Sorry, buddies, but uh, we just we're just built different, I guess, as the kids would say. But I guess um, produce our own McDavid. One day I'll do it. I could probably do it. Maybe. My knee's kind of messed up. I played lacrosse. I mean, it can't be, you know, it can't be too hard to put a stick, right? A hockey stick in my hand, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if my wife and I have a boy, consider it in the bank. Yeah, there you go. Well, actually, it's it's cool you mentioned the development. I actually, I coach lacrosse out here in the East Valley, and we have, uh, last year, I wasn't there for it yet, but they had some Premier Lacrosse League players come in and coach uh, out here, and the, the girls still think about it today. I coach the boys' side. There's Billy going to do boys' team, but... That's just something cool. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, that's how you grow the game. So I, I, hope, the, I hope the NHL really just like, and I, I, know I keep saying it as a huge soccer fan, but I mean, soccer's coming with the World Cup in 2026, the MLS growing the way it's growing, the MLS Super Cup coming in here between Liga MX, which is the biggest, most watched league in the country. I mean, it's only going to get bigger, NHL. This is really your time to figure it out because it is coming. And I don't think... I don't know. And I love hockey. It's my favorite sport of all time. It's got me through more tough times than anything else in the entire world, minus my family. And I don't know. I just, I unfortunately, I don't want to say the future is kind of bleak, but it doesn't look as good. It doesn't look as bright as, say, soccer does 
and the NFL is only getting bigger as well in the NBA. So, I mean, what do we do, you know? Yeah, and this will all come with technology, uh, you know, as as the sport gets a little cheaper, um, not not just to watch, but to play. Um, and it we start seeing more, you know, ice rinks. Uh, and, and this is just from an Arizona perspective. Granted, the, this problem is nationwide, but... You know, as soon as we start seeing more rinks in non-traditional markets, we might see an explosion. And the NHL knows what they're doing from that sense. If if they thought that markets like Arizona and South Florida and Texas weren't, you know, great for or didn't have potential for um, massive growth. And new viewership, new youth programs, and bringing new guys into the league, whether it's players, coaches, um, you know, training staff, just personnel in general. If if you want to expand to that, you have to go to markets like this. And I'm I'm really really glad the NHL has has really not wavered at all, uh, especially. Not just Arizona, but if you look at Florida too, Florida has been farther in the red than the Coyotes for quite some time prior to last year. You know, last year they, they were in games. People were going to games. They were watching. They were buying jerseys. You know, the the whole nine yards. But they they stuck with Florida as well. You know, you I, I'm glad the NHL has made a commitment to trying to grow these markets. And they're getting guys like Austin Matthews and Tage Thompson and Jacob Chikrin. And, you know, they're they're getting a ton of guys out of these southern states who other... I mean, Chikrin maybe because of his dad, you know, being a former NHLer. But you get my point. A lot of these guys may not be playing hockey without these prospective teams. If I was a betting man, I'd I'd almost guarantee Austin Matthews isn't in the NHL today without the Coyotes being here. Oh, one hundred percent. Even in his game, I don't know if he bought NHL. What was it, twenty one or twenty two? He has an intro where you see somebody score, and the um, he's wearing a Coyotes jersey, and then, he, then you see him wear his leaf. So it's like, yeah, I think you know. And besides, why would you, as a hockey fan or a fan of anything in general, why would you not want it to grow? Why would you not want it to hit more markets and have more people in it and have more just everything? Like, would you want an all Canadian team, like all Canadian league? I mean, how boring is that? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, on who you ask, but I mean, when we had our COVID season where we had a Canadian division because nobody could cross international borders, it was all writers in Canada could talk about was how great it was that they had a Canadian division. Yeah, I guess. To look at, you know, making this a permanent thing. And, you know, if they're going to continue to expand and they want to put one more team in Canada and make an all-Canadian division, you know, fine, go ahead. But, you know, the rest of the league, the, the majority of the money in the league comes from the United States, and I'm sorry, Toronto, but the New York Rangers are the most valuable franchise in hockey. It's not you guys. They're an American team. It's an American sport just as much. 
Um, honestly, it is though. I mean, it really is. It's definitely a North American thing, like for sure. Like, oh, I mean, I guess Canada, and U.S. mostly. I'm sure Mexico has some presence, but yeah, I think it belongs to both countries. It really does at this point. I mean, Minnesota is called the state of hockey. I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, granted, in Minnesota, it's probably colder than most places in Canada most of the year. I feel bad, yeah. rain, but you know, yeah. what what else are you gonna do in Minnesota? It's kind of like what we talked about. Yeah, in, I was about to say, yeah, you just brought that up. Where it's like, I mean, it's negative forty outside. I can either freeze and you know drink my icy beer or catch a hockey game. You know, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm gonna go golfing. You're not going to golf in, you know, February like you can out here. You're not going to go play basketball outside like you can here. I mean. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's just, it's a big deal to, it's a big deal to accept that in a lot of northeastern states where you have teams, you've tapped the majority of those those fan bases. Um it's just not you're going to add to it. Um, you've got twelve teams playing in what seven hundred, you know, within seven hundred miles of each other. Yeah, so pretty much. Yeah, you really do have to start looking at markets like, you know, what we have Seattle, in- Vegas, exactly, and, and both of those markets have done extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Houston probably will. When it, when and if, uh, more of an if, I guess, that they get a team because right now it doesn't seem like they've got, um, you know, anybody stepping up to own a team and that's got a viable building to play in long term and that has a long term plan. But, you know, the same was said about Seattle a few years ago. But Houston's one of those teams, uh, or one of those cities that we could see expansion to. Kansas City's another one that's been... I mean, the the Penguins almost ended up in Kansas City, what, back in... Was it 2001 or 2000? Yeah. And Mario Lemieux basically came in and, and bailed the team out. And that's the only reason they're still in Pittsburgh. But Kansas City nearly had a team. So yep. there's... It's funny how that works. There's markets out here. Um, Salt Lake City is another one that's been floated. Um, and and getting teams out west is is a huge deal. And granted, uh, anybody that lives on the East Coast, you know, they get where, you know, you've got 5 million people living in a city half the size of Tucson. And... In Arizona, you might have a million people living in a place double the size of New York. So you may not have as many people that you're targeting out west. So the the need for multiple teams isn't what it is like it is on the East Coast. But, I mean, if you live in, in the middle of Utah and you're in Salt Lake City, you've got, what, 500 miles to Vegas, 600 miles to Colorado, and, you know, another 500 miles down to Phoenix. You know, those yeah, are your... spread out enough, yeah. And there's... I think the only close ones out here would be Vancouver and Seattle. I think the only ones that are kind of on the west side that's super close, I think. I forgot my... For... Like a pair. To... Oh, like close to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're only about 
45 minutes from each other. Something um, like that, yeah. That's all I really I, know about that area. Vancouver and Edmonton. Pro- no, is it Edmonton and Calgary, maybe? That oh, are, they're pretty close, too, yeah. But yeah, outside of that, I mean, I, the fact that Dallas and Nashville are rivals, I mean, they're a thousand miles apart. We're even, well, not quite, but yeah, I mean. We're good, yeah. It's a good journey, Nashville, yeah. Nashville is on the eastern side of the United States, and they're a central division team in the same division as Arizona. Uh, you know, it makes perfect sense. It's not even a divisional thing when you're talking about how many teams you have out west. When you have to make a division where to play a division rival, a team has to travel 1,200 miles. Yeah. You don't have enough teams in that region. Yeah, exactly. That's a, it's like when you said Craig Martin, you know, the whole like, oh, if we put the California teams in Arizona or maybe even throw Vegas in there or something like that. That makes sense because we're all pretty close. We, our states border each other at least. We can still, if you really wanted to. And and you could drive a, to it. You could keep a lot of natural division rivals throughout the league together with that. I mean, you'd have Seattle playing with Vancouver and Calgary and Edmonton. So you keep the Battle of Alberta together and you throw Seattle into that mix. And yeah, that you would have like Vegas, Dallas, Colorado, and you know, maybe Winnipeg. Um in another division where, you know, Vegas, Colorado, and Dallas, I mean, there's a few miles there, but they're all within the same division now as it is. Um, Colorado and Dallas have had their their rivalry in the past. Um, you know, Vegas and Colorado, we talked about the fact that they're, they don't have quite the rivalry that, you know, they could have, but if they met in the playoffs considerably more while they're both young winning teams, that rivalry would explode. You put them in the same division and they're playing each other six times a year. Yep. Tell me how that's bad for the league. I don't see how. I don't see how it's bad at all. You look at teams in the Northeast. I mean, you keep Boston and Montreal in the same division. You could keep Toronto and Buffalo and uh, in that division with them, you know, so that you you keep that going. You would have Tampa Bay, Florida, Carolina in the same division. You know, you you could create these geographical rivalries, and yeah, that's pretty easily thing missing. But oh, hundred percent, you're right. And, and again, that's that's the whole idea behind exposure, but. Again, we still need expansion. We need more teams out west. I, I do hope Houston gets a team. I hope Kansas City gets a team. I I don't get the people that want Hamilton to have a team. I, that's yeah. half an hour from Toronto. Yeah, who why, cares? Why do you need to put another team half an hour from Toronto? Yeah, we're good on Major that. fans aren't going to become Hamilton fans. You're going to create a natural rivalry there and everybody in that city is a Maple Leafs fan. Yeah. It's like the Clippers and the Lakers kind of thing. Yeah. Like very few are actually Clippers fans. Like how many Clippers fans do you really know of? Really? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't make sense there. It doesn't make sense in Quebec because you're going to steal fans from Montreal. 
Um, it's the same idea there. Why put a team in Quebec? You're not going to flip Canadians fans over to Quebec fans. And Quebec as a team's been gone since the mid-90s, so you're not going to draw a ton of fans back that used to be there. You know, I, a lot of them aren't there anymore. And also, I mean, it's kind of like the Expos. They still sell Expos, like hats and shirts and stuff like that, and Hartford Whalers. I mean, honestly, they're, they're just more of a nostalgia bait at this point. I mean, it'll be cool for a couple of years. I'm sure they'll probably sell tickets for a couple of years. But once they go bad, I'm sure it'll be the same situation. That team will get moved anyway. Sure. You know. I mean, look, look at what San Jose is doing as a marketing thing, wearing the the um, well, the seals colors. Seals, yeah, California Golden Seals. Um, I it's nostalgic. Uh, personally, I don't. I wasn't around for the seals. Yeah, neither was I. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's kind of hard for me to be like, oh, that's really cool because I I don't remember them. Um, but. You you can still make money on on bringing traditions back without actually spending seven hundred and fifty million dollars on putting a team in a city where you're not going to gain fans. No. So also, I mean, we probably should get ready to wrap this up. Actually, we've been we're an hour and forty five in. Okay. Um, I know you had a a question about development. Um, yeah. more about the leagues or yeah so I was thinking so we have it to where right now we have you know I think it was was it Dylan Gunther yeah he either play for his WHL team or maybe last year he played for WHL or played for the NHL there's no way for him to go play in the AHL so even though he's kind of a big fish in a small pond or any player just for an example's sake is it too big a fish for the WHL but not quite ready for the NHL why is it that we have this kind of rule why can't they just play in the ahl or whatever it is like why is the development program set the way it is so the the issue was that the chl would spend time putting together team chl being the quebec major junior hockey league the western hockey league and the ontario hockey league they all fall into the chl umbrella and the minimum age without special exception for the CHL is 16. So they, you go out, you put together a team, you start developing players, they get drafted and then they go to the AHL. So you get an NHL type player or NHL caliber prospect for two years at that point before NHL teams would just send them down to the AHL and let them develop there. They'd get them into their system right away. And the big issue was that it hurt revenue in the CHL. Um, and ultimately it, it killed, you know, player movement in the CHL. It, there ton of, a ton of CHL teams actually make trades every year. It, it operates just like the NHL um, where teams give up quite a bit to acquire and and make a run when they have somebody or have a, a team that can make can make that kind of run. I mean Seattle just traded for Dylan Gunther's rights. If he were to be sent back down, Seattle's the number one team out in or in the Western Conference of the WHL. Why <laughs> why wouldn't you make a run now before you start losing some of your players to either being too old or 
graduating to the NHL. So the big thing was the NHL agreed that any player taken who wasn't playing in the NHL had to go to the CHL. They had to return to their juniors team. Um, Part of that rule is that outside of an emergency call-up, once a player is sent back to their junior team, they can't be recalled that season. Um, Recently, Owen Beck, uh, who is currently, let's see, I want to say he's in Barrie, maybe? Montreal took him with a 30... 33rd or 32nd overall pick last year, or 33rd overall pick um, last year. And he was called up on an emergency basis when, you know, they lost Nick Suzuki. And I I mean, they're basically playing with an AHL team right now. On an emergency basis, a player can be called up. That player can't miss more than one game in their junior league and they can't play more than a maximum of five NHL games before being sent back down, and they can only be called up on an emergency basis once. So that's the only exclusion to a player being called up during the season from juniors. Um, But the whole point of it is basically to keep structure in junior hockey leagues. Additionally, you would have players going to college, uh, going to the USHL, staying overseas as opposed to coming to the CHL when when players who were drafted could just, you know, go to an AHL team when those teams were being broken up because teams weren't being kept together. You didn't have the same type of development where or you didn't have the same type of deep league that you have now when all of those things would go on. So even though it it's frustrating, especially when we look at a guy like Barrett Hayton, who in his first year or in his draft year was sent back to the Sioux Greyhounds, had an unbelievable year, was the CHL player of the year. And then the next year wasn't quite good enough to be an everyday NHL player, but was too old to play in the AHL. But being sent back to, you know, the OHL just didn't make sense. We end up with problems like that. Um, And when I say we, I mean the NHL as far as development goes. I think it actually hurts the development of certain players to not be able to play in a pro league. Uh, like the the AHL, um, and they're being forced to play in the NHL because, you know, they're a 130-point guy in the CHL, and they're really not developing playing against kids. That's, you know, I guess it makes sense. I don't know. Hopefully the NHL can fix that. I don't know. That's just so much complicated than a lot of other sports, I guess. I don't really see a scenario where that gets fixed. Um, I do like the the NCAA's way of doing things where once you've played one pro game, you're ineligible to return. Um, I wouldn't so much mind that for the CHL, Um, something along those lines where once you play an NHL game, um, 
or I'm sorry, an, an AHL game, you can't be sent back, meaning that teams would have to take a long, hard look before they make a decision on, you know, well, we'll throw him in the AHL, and if he doesn't do well, then we'll send him back to, you know, his OHL team or his WHL team. It, it would eliminate a lot of the jerking around that the CHL would face at that point, because now... Once you've made a decision, you've got to commit to it. Makes sense. I like that more. Well, thanks for answering my question, though. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I Believe me, I'm with you on it. I don't like the rule. I understand why it's in place. And, I, you know, smarter minds than me, I'm sure, have tried to come up with a solution to it that makes sense for both leagues. Um, I like the idea of a each team gets one player that would be an exception to the rule um you know uh, and it it doesn't matter what league it's coming out of it's the chl in general you get one player that you can assign to the ahl as opposed to having to send him back to juniors um you know could could you imagine like whoever drafts zach benson this year zach benson's uh he plays for the winnipeg ice he's gonna go in the top 10 I think he's probably on pace for 100 points this year, but he's a little undersized. He needs to add some strength. Um, Getting up out there. But the the skill that that he needs to play in the NHL, he's got that. He's got the hands. He's got the the feet, the puck skills, and the awareness. You're not going to develop that. Play with kids. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not going to improve upon that being sent back to Winnipeg. You might get a little bit stronger, but you're naturally going to get stronger wherever you are. Yeah. Honestly, I I would take the development staff of any NHL team and their training staff and the dollars that they have to throw at conditioning and diet and all of the aspects of what what do we need to mold you into a physically mature NHL player, I'd take that over any CHL team's development program. So it's going to suck for somebody who takes Zach Benson and he gets the Barrett Hayton treatment because he's not physically ready to be an every night NHL player, but you have to make the decision between do we send him back to the OHL and let him or the WHL, excuse me, and continue to destroy the league or do we keep him up here, let him sit in the press box half the year, but he's in our facility and in our meetings room, but the best place for him is in the American league where he'll play 72 games. He'll get the same people around him or similar people around him than he would in the NHL and he'll get to develop against men. Those yep. ultimately the those are the guys that disagreement hurts. It hurts the the kids more than it hurts yeah. anyone else. Which I think is worse because we need those kids to develop and all that. So sure. I mean it, it goes back to the product that you're trying to put on the ice. I mean a watered-down league is a league of guys who, you know... Beer uh, league, it, basically. Well, it's not beer league, but it's teams like Arizona right now who, if there was enough talent to go around, they wouldn't be 
playing guys like Travis Boyd in a top six role. You know, those and those situations exist across the league everywhere. That lack of, you know, top six talent, that is that's the league being watered down. And that's that stems from not enough players out of small markets or not enough people, I guess, interested in small markets. You don't have enough who want to travel the road to the NHL or could. And additionally, the ones that do, their development stunted. And you only get so many years to develop. And it used to be, well, forwards are ready at 23, 24, defensemen 25 to 27, goalies at 30. We're learning more and more uh, through analytics that a lot of guys peak at 22 and 23 now, and even younger. Um, that and not that they start to decline, but that development stops in their game around that age. Um, you know, the a player becomes who they're going to become around that age. And there's obvious exceptions. Um, you know, Kuzmenko in Vancouver at 25 is an obvious exception to it, but he's an outlier. He's not the rule. So, yeah, the that's ultimately a big factor in, in watering the league down. The league's got to do something to change that. Hopefully they will. Like I said in the podcast, I mean, other sports are gaining on them. NFL just keeps widening the gap. Hopefully NHL makes the changes. Well, hockey, I should say, makes the changes. Hopefully, so. Yeah, yeah, and you know, see some relations change between the United States and Russia as far as getting players over here. Yeah, it's like the Russian mm-hmm. five all over again. Yeah, yeah, and and players not being able to get out of contracts. I mean, somebody's going to draft Matt Vaymichkov at three or four, and he might not play here for. Three years. Yeah. It's terrible. So, uh, there's there's some work to do if the league really wants to improve. And you know the league has the money to do it. Yeah, they, that they do. They've got to find a better way. Uh, and hopefully they will. Uh, I mean, like I said, I, I really hope so. Hockey's a favorite sport ever. So I really hope they figure it out. But we're reporting so, on it either way. So we'll be here. The Chirpin' Yotes podcast reporting on it, good, bad, or ugly. So, yep. Well, I on think... that note, I I appreciate you guys having me on again. Uh, this yes, was sir. A, a great chat. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. So, absolutely. Let's uh, let's get together. Let's do this again, and uh, maybe see you guys around. Maybe the draft deadline. For sure, uh, we'll definitely have you on again. Trade deadline. There we go. Yeah, I know what you meant. It's getting late. I definitely understand. That's the word I meant. Yeah, it's okay. My Red Bulls um, went off, so I get that. <laughs> so, cool. well, all right, all sir. Right. Well, again, thank you for coming on the podcast and chatting with me today. Uh, hopefully, we'll get the rest of the boys on the next time you're here and get a full uh, party going. So, Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll chat with you guys soon. And from all of us here at the Chirping Yotes, have a good rest of your night. Thanks for listening.